Oh, absolutely, Miss Roster, yes. <laughs> must be in the jolly old sweet pot. <laughs> I must say it's frightfully good of you. Uh, yeah, there we are. Oh, thank you. Well, uh, I suppose we'd better take him along to his dog kennel, eh, Miss Rossiter? Oh, <laughs> yes. Um, this way, Mr. Breeden. Oh, righty-ho. Uh, rather, yes. Uh... We're all along this corridor. You'll find your way about in time. That's Willis's room over there. That comrade in affliction. Mm -hmm. And that's Garrett's room. Mr. Garrett is a man of weight and experience and does not come and frivol in the typist room. <laughs> he goes out for his elevenses and assumes seniority, though he hath it not. And this is your room, next to mine. Ah. That iron staircase opposite me goes down to the floor below. Mm -hmm. Mostly group managers and conference rooms. Don't fall down it, by the way. The man whose room you've got tumbled down it last week and killed himself. No. Bust his neck and cracked his skull. On one of those knobs. Well, here you are. Much the same as the other rooms, except that the radiator doesn't work very well. Still, that won't worry you just at present. <laughs> this was Dean's room. A chap who fell downstairs? Yes. It was awful, you know, Mr. Breeden. Oh, it must have been, Miss Rossiter. Mr. Hankin was just giving me dictation when we heard the most frightful crash. He said, good God, what's that? I thought it must have been one of the office boys, because one of them fell down last year carrying an Elliot Fisher typewriter, and it sounded exactly like it, only worse. And I said, I think one of the boys must have fallen downstairs, Mr. Hankin. And he said, careless little devils, and went on dictating. My hand was so shaky I could hardly make my outlines. Then Mr. Ingleby rang past, and another door opened, and then we heard the most terrific shriek. And Mr. Hankin said, better go and see what's happened. So I went out and looked down. And I couldn't see anything because there was such a bunch of people standing around. And then Mr. Ingleby came tearing up with such a look on his face. You were as white as a sheep, Mr. Ingleby. You were, really. Possibly. Three years in this soul-searing profession have not yet robbed me of all human feeling. But that will come in time. Mr. Ingleby said, he's killed himself. And I said, who? And he said, Mr. Dean. And I said... You don't mean that. And he said, I'm afraid so. And I went back to Mr. Hankin and said, Mr. Dean's killed himself. And he said, what do you mean killed himself? And then Mr. Ingleby came in and Mr. Hankin gave one look at him and went out. And I went down by the other staircase and saw them carry in Mr. Dean along to the boardroom. His head was all hanging sideways. Does this kind of thing happen often? Not with such catastrophic results. But that staircase is definitely a death trap. Well, anyhow, Mr. Breeden, what happened next? Yes, thank you, thank you, Miss Rossiter. Oh, oh. Well, I must get back to the typist room. Phew. Well, we'd better start you off, eh, Breeden? Oh, righty-ho. Um, I gather I'm on margarine. Yes. Just be thankful you're not on new tracks like I am. Uh, new tracks? Yes. Nerves need new tracks and all that. The whole scheme's coordinated by Tallboy. Who's Tallboy? Tallboy? Oh, he's the group manager for New Tracks. He makes Tuesday quite the foulest day of the week. Who? Uh -huh. <laughs> How's that? Well, there's a New Tracks 11-inch double got to be got ready every Tuesday for the morning gazette. Tallboy always kicks up a fuss if it isn't exactly the way he wants it. Anyway, you'd better look through this to see the kind of thing we've been doing for Margarine and, uh, and then think up some headlines. Oh. Your story is, of course, that Dairyfield's green pastures margarine is everything that the best butter ought to be and only costs ninepence a pound. Are they like a cow in the picture? 
Oh, why? Is it made of cow fat? Well, I dare say it is, but you mustn't say that. People wouldn't like the idea. <laughs> the picture of the cow suggests the taste of butter, that's all. Oh, I see. <laughs> Rather clever, that what? <laughs> uh, well, now, let's see. Um, something like, um, better than butter and half the price. A simple appeal to the pocket, that the idea? Yes, but you mustn't knock butter. They sell butter as well. Oh. You can say it's as good as butter. But in that case, what does one find to say in favour of butter? I mean, if the other stuff's as good and doesn't cost so much, what's the argument for buying butter? You don't need an argument for buying butter. It's natural human instinct. Oh, I see. Well, what about, um, bigger and butter value for money? Hmm. Well, that has the right feel about it. Uh, oh, wait a minute, wait a moment. Hang on. Um, you'd be ready to bet it was butter, huh? The Daredevil people are rather straight-laced about betting. Yeah, we'll shake him up a bit then, what? <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, Reedon, it's better not to throw one's weight about here till one's been ten years or so in the place. It's not encouraged. This place is more like a government office than an advertising agency. Hustles not wanted, and initiative and curiosity are politely shown the door. Oh. Oh, thanks awfully, Ingleby. Thanks for telling me. Not at all. I must go now. But travel from Tallboy if the new track's 11-inch double isn't ready for the printers by 3 o'clock. Oh, damn and blast new tracks. May all its directors get elephantiasis and ingrowing toenails. Oh, hey, dear me, Ingleby. <laughs> take my word for it, Breeden. You'll feel the same after a few years. Have another chocolate eclair, Miss Rossiter. Thank you, Miss Meteard. I don't think I shall. You'll put on pounds and pounds if you eat all that sweet stuff. That's what you come to a tea room for, Ducky. What do you think of our new Mr. Breeden? The Pimlico pet? Well, I think he's rather a lamb, and his shirts are simply too marvellous. Oh, he won't be able to keep that up on Pim's salary, bonus or no bonus, or the silk socks either. He's been brought up silk-lined, all right. One of the new poor, I expect. Lost all his money in the slump or something. Either that or his family have got tired of supporting him and pushed him out to scratch for himself. Mm. I think he's very clever. Did you see that idiotic headline he put up for Margarine the other day? It's a far, far butter thing. <laughs> and he nearly sniggered himself sick. I think the pet was pulling his leg. Oh, he'll make a copywriter. He's got the flair. If you know what I mean. I hope he does. He's got beautiful manners, and he pays his tea bill like a little gentleman. Oh, the pet's tongue runs on ball bearings. But I say, Miss Meteart, do you know what I did yesterday? No. Breeden came in and asked for Mr. Hankins' cartons. I was in an awful rush and said, help yourself. Well, what do you think? Mm -hmm. Ten minutes afterwards, I discovered he'd gone off with Mr. Hankins' private letter file. Oh, no. But he must have been blind, because it's marked private in red letters an inch high. So I haired off to Breeden, and there he was, calmly reading Hanky's private letters, if you please. Oh, really? You've got the wrong file, Mr. Breeden, I said. You oughtn't to be reading that. It's frightfully confidential. Mm. And he wasn't a bit ashamed. He just handed it back with a grin and said, Really? Good gracious me, I'm so sorry. Silly ass. Still, it's very interesting to see what salary everyone gets, he said. He seemed to think it was awfully funny, and asked how long it would take him to reach Dean's salary. How much was Dean getting? Um, six. Mm, not worth much more, in my opinion. The department will be better tempered without him, I must say. He did rile them sometimes. No, if Dean hadn't fallen downstairs, there'd have been a good old bust-up between him and Willis. I never could understand what it was all about. Well, 
I believe there was a girl in it. Oh. Mm. Willis used to go about with Dean quite a lot at the weekend, and then it all stopped suddenly. They had an awful row one day last March. I heard them going at it hammer and tongs in Dean's room. Hmm. Well, I suppose we'd better push off home or we shan't be fit for anything in the morning. Now, uh, where's the cheque? Um, I had two cakes more than you, so mine is one and a penny and yours mm -hmm. is ninepence. Now, if you give me a bob and I give you tuppence and the waitress tuppence and settle up at the desk, we shall be all square. Right. Good afternoon, Mr. Breeden. Got an India rubber handy? Good afternoon, Miss Meachard. I expect so, yes. Um, have a look at that pencil drawer. Hmm. Um. Oh! Hello, what's this? What? This. It's Victor Dean's scarab. It ought to have been sent back to his sister. Oh, that. Uh, yes, I knew that was there, but I didn't know who it belonged to. It's not a bad little thing, what? Real onyx. Quite heavy. Of course, it's not Egyptian, and it's not even very old. Probably not, but Dean adored it. He thought it was a surefire mascot. He always had it in his waistcoat pocket or sitting in front of him while he worked. If he'd had it on him that day, he wouldn't have tumbled downstairs. At least that's what he'd have said himself. It's chipped at the edge here, look. Hmm. What sort of a chap was Dean? Well, speaking ill of the dead and all that, but... Well, I wasn't exactly keen on him. I thought he was a rather unwholesome little beast. In what way? For one thing, I didn't like the people he went about with. He used to tag around with that uh, Diane de Mommery set. You know, mm. wicked parties and fast cars and all that. Dean thought it was the smart thing to do, I suppose. How old did you say he was? Oh, 26 or 27. How did he come to be here? Usual thing. Needed cash, I suppose. You can't lead a gay life on nothing.